You're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. Podcast of the Star Wars Report Second Airport Podcast Division. Mic check one two three. We can hear you just fine. It works. And welcome back to another show of the Padawan Perspective. We are your hosts, Barrett, Pharaoh, Mark, and Taylor. And we're back to bring you another episode. You don't sound sure. No. <laughs> I am sure. See, sure, this will... like, like maybe, maybe was this is this the right place? <laughs> and today we're going to talk about the last battle. We haven't been back in a little while, so what have you Padawans been up to? School, uh, a little bit of school. I went to the honor rolls assembly recently, and I got straight A's. So that's pretty cool. And now we're on break, so I'm I'm glad of that. Oh, very good. Yes, uh, your Jedi training. You have been very proficient in your Jedi training and got high honors. So very. We're very proud about that in our in our temple. You're lucky. We still have two more days of school left. Really? And, yeah. Well, we have Monday, and then Tuesday is like is a half day, but uh, it's day of caring where we go out to uh, the community and help out uh, and rake leaves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for me. I have two huge, pro- well, kind of semi-huge projects that uh, are due on Tuesday, which one of them is for science and the other one is in language arts. And I have to write about uh, someone that I've read books about. And so I had ch- I had chose Jana, Sophie- Jana Solo, <laughs> Jana Sophia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, I had chosen Jana Solo. So I have doing a book project on her what exactly do you have to do about her just uh, i read a book and jana solo was in it or well so my dad and i have got the idea that i am bringing three books into school where you went with star by star to show when she loses her brothers in the beginning Mm -hmm. of her dark trip you went with sacrifice where her jedi master and aunt gets taken out by the hands of her rival and brother her twin brother Jason, who's now Lord Cadus, yeah. and then Sacrifice, which is the battle where she has to take her brother down for the safety and well-being of the galaxy. Yeah, and I'm not the only person at uh, my school who is doing a Star Wars project. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a kid named Zach, and he's also doing a science project. Spreading the love. We've also gotten to arguments about Star Wars before. So. Have you been right? Most of the time. I don't think there's a time that I've been wrong. <laughs> that's, that's all that matters, right, Barrett? That's all that matters. And I, I find it interesting that they make the Padawans in different parts of the galaxy still go to school an extra couple days and still have them do big projects before they have to go on vacation, which is kind of interesting. And but even I- here at City and County, too, like my nephew goes to a different school that, that he ended up going on days that the other ones were out and vice versa. It's just like, uh, who knows what the heck's going on anymore? 
I like the I like the idea of the day of caring, though. I mean, all Padawans should learn how to care for other human beings or for other True. beings in the galaxy. True that. Kudos to you and your school, Tay. Do you want to know one of my favorite things about school? What? Getting in Star Wars arguments. It's like it's like the best thing ever. I swear. One of my friends, I've gotten about a twenty minute argument about who shot first, even though it's like a day old question. It's like in the director's cut he did because it had a wider angle, but in the actual movie when it came out in the theaters and, and in this theater it did and this the Now now Farrah, do you feel like when you get into these arguments like like you just feel like you're like the grandmaster and you feel like the rookie's just stepping into the arena and you're about to mob him, you're like I I pity the fool, you know? <laughs> That's kind of exactly how I feel. I feel like like I'm rolling up in a Jedi robe, just about to like. I feel like I'm powerful. It comes like, out. Get out here! You don't know half the stuff I know. It's all. It's on. <laughs> At last, we reveal ourselves and then chop your head off. Zoom. Good to know you guys are uh, continuing your education, and uh, you know, you know, we should we should be like really evil masters and start assigning them books to read at some point. Like, I think that might be a fun angle we can play with. <laughs> Taylor's, Taylor's down, Pharaoh. You, you may, you may not want to answer right now. You might get assigned an assignment. <laughs> well, my Padawan's a little bit more like Anakin. You assign him a book. He'll find a way to get the cliff notes somehow. <laughs> Listen to the, to Ashley Eckstein audio version. <laughs> Why don't we get into the first episode that we're going to review today, and it is The Last Battle. Let us know what the official description is. Okay, so The Last Battle is the title of the episode, is the fourth episode of the third season of Rebels. The official description reads, In the search of arms and artillery, Captain Rex brings the Rebels to an old abandoned base from the Clone Wars. They quickly find out that they're not alone, however, and must again face enemies from the past. You know, Filoni has been getting a lot of flack about this being called Clone Wars, you know, 2.0. And not so much in the last season, and definitely not in this season, but I think this was kind of like, you know, kind of a chopper burp, 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 to the critics out there, where he's definitely bringing back the Clone Wars into Rebels. What did you guys think about that, how he was able to do that? Well, I love how in this episode it has it brings so many flavors from the Clone Wars and you know all the old droids like the Roger Roger and the and what's the other one with the shield? The the droidka the the that is a droidka right that's the uh, droids the droidikas droidikas yes so I just I just love seeing them and as soon as I saw the droidika it immediately reminded me of my days playing Lego Star Wars. Where, like, in, in the first few levels, those things were everywhere, and they were so annoying because they had their shields up all the time, and it was the worst thing ever. I actually remember that. I remember Gavin being like, I can't freaking get the shield! But I actually really liked this episode. As soon as I saw the droids, I was just like, <gasps> The Clone Wars is, like, what I grew up watching and stuff. I mean, I'm still growing, but <laughs> when I was, like, six and stuff... And it's just seeing all that stuff of being brought back just like made me really happy inside. <laughs> so you don't at all mind when Filoni goes back to the well of the Clone Wars 2.0. So she she's giving us the no. She does not mind. See, and, and I kind of I like the the title, The Last Battle. I found that was kind of fitting. I feel like in a way this is Filoni's putting that to rest, uh, you know, metaphorically. Like this is you know, if you haven't figured out by this point that they're moving on beyond that, but at the same time, 
the Clone Wars was such a, a quintessential part of the history of what was going on in the Star Wars galaxy at that time period, and that it's got such far-reaching ramifications. You're never going to get away from it. And I think that that's, that's what they're playing at here. And we get that final battle. And I mean, in a sense, it's really the final battle just for Rex and for the, uh, the, the droid general. But I think, you know, it serves that for us as the viewer as well. You know, I mean, we, we get Ezra to tell us, you know, hey, you know, who really won? You know, you, you guys all were duped, but by who? You know, and even though they don't answer that question, we the viewers, we know exactly who duped everybody. You know, we know who really has all the power right now and who's in real control. And that's why we fear the Empire so much. Uh, and, and I thought that was a cool twist. Uh, you know, there were times where I kind of felt like, you know, three against the world or four against the world, I guess you should say, because Zeb was there at first. Uh, I kind of wish they had a little more backup. But I guess it goes back to proving that, you know, all you really need is two Jedi. I mean, when you think back to the Gendi Tartakovsky series and you see that one Moto Domo guy and he's like, how many Jedi did they send? 40? 50? Ah, no, sir, it's two. What? It's two? You know, I mean, two Jedi sometimes was all you need. And there were moments in this that I was reminded of the fact that, you know, yeah, Kanan actually served in the Clone Wars. He was about Ezra's age during all of this. And so he too does have a perspective. I'm quick to dismiss him. And there was a moment, too, where Kanan, you know, he defers to Rex because he recognizes that Rex had all the battlefield experience. And he's like, you know, you've you've done this before. Do it again. You know, and and, and I thought that the, those aspects really played well to what we see here. And again, I, I just think Filoni, you know, he, he's tapping us out of, of what we know, getting us into something new. And again, because it's such a strong, prevalent part of the Clone Wars or, or the Star Wars saga in general, you're never going to get away from references to it. I kind of think like, you know, overall, for the most part, you're going to see small things where it's like a crash ship, but you're not going to hear, oh, yeah, the Clone Wars. But every now and again, it's going to be something distinct. Yeah, this happened in the Clone Wars. Oh, OK. And I really appreciate the fact what Taylor said, that she grew up on the Clone Wars. So this is something from really her childhood. This is something from our both of our Padawan's childhood. I think Pharaoh has seen every Clone Wars episode with me because we were doing Republic Forces Radio Network. And so he would watch them with me and he was on a couple of those shows. So for them to bring for Filoni to bring back the battle droids, who honestly, when I first saw the battle droids, you know, they really didn't impress me. But when they came back this time and like Pharaoh said with the Roger Roger, it was felt so familiar and it gave me a feeling that I never really had with the prequels. You know, the prequels was always like, you know, they had such a different feeling than the original trilogy. Now with him bringing back these droids and they're being called clankers by Rex and and seeing two Jedi and and a clone trooper going after the droids, it, it just, it brings back good feelings. It brings back kind of, almost the kind of the same feelings that the original trilogy brings for me. Well, it, it's interesting you mention it the way you do because the Clone Wars are kind of like the big, the big thing everyone was looking for in the prequel trilogy, but it was the one thing that was missing. You know, they saved it all for the TV show. So, I mean, you're watching the movies and, and it's like, begun, the Clone Wars have. <laughs> Oh, hey, look, Obi-Wan and them are here. Oh, Order 66 over. Our Clone Wars done. We're done. We're all done here. Pack up. Time to go home. And so, you know, the Clone Wars really got into that. I mean, my, my kids had the same thing when we were watching it for We Talk Clones and other shows when I was doing EU cast. Uh, you know, I was always having it on in the background as well. But, 
you know, there's just so much there that that depth and and that really that becomes the aspect of the prequel trilogy that I enjoy the most. You know, it's like really once the Clone Wars begins, all the battles and stuff that go on that Anakin takes, the the adventures that Kenobi goes on, the other Jedi that are involved. And then we get to that point when Order 66, you know, well, I say Order 66, when we see Episode 3 begin and you watch Anakin and them come and zipping in, it feels like it's the continuation of everything you've been watching in the Clone Wars cartoon show. What the Clone Wars did in, in my childhood and in like the the time that people have been watching it, it really, it's really nostalgic rather than just being Filoni's repeating something he's already done. It's, it's just nostalgic to the old viewers and the people who have been watching the Clone Wars. And it, I think Filoni's, you know, respecting his older viewers. Yeah, he's able to bring back stuff from the Clone Wars and it feels a little different than when he, say, brought Greedo into the Clone Wars or Chewbacca into the Clone Wars. It felt... He got a little Dang. flack. Yeah, like, you know, he's just like ratings week or something. He's just trying to get, get ratings. Here, he's actually bringing things from the Clone Wars into Rebels, and they're useful. You know, Rex is useful. Now we have the Phantom Two, isn't that? So that's a, a Separatist shuttle, isn't it? It's a Shep Separatist battle droid transport shuttle, I think. Yeah. And there's some great writing in here. I mean, one of the things right out the get-go, Hera's talking to Kanan, you know, how's it, you know, is it going to be okay? Oh, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we have the Roger, Roger. Wait, who's Roger from Ezra? Uh, and, and I think a great th a theme here, too, is one of the lines that Kanan says about uh, Rex is, you know, battles leave scars, and some scars you can't see. I mean, we see that moment where... Rex is kind of going back to, you know, the flashbang kind of leaves him disoriented and he sees all the, the trooper or the battle droids around him and thinks he's back in the Clone Wars. I mean, that that could be a very scary moment in and of itself, you know, and then there's also that moment where uh, 2168 says we've never captured anyone before. You know, I, I love the humor of the, the battle droids, which it's, the, again, that interesting contrast for me because when the battle droids were in the films i did not enjoy it i felt they were too kitty down but yeah i really it drove me up the wazoo yes i was like no but in this i can take it for what it is it's a little more fun and i like the idea that there was a droid that was willing to go against his programming considering that the programming may have been a trap by the jedi and by the republic forces i mean that in and of itself is something that you know you could discuss for hours on end about the the sentience of droids and and the limitations and prison of their programming i mean most droids are are prisoners to what they're programmed to do and yet this guy was able to decide hey i'm not going to do it but they try to have a little, a lot of similarities between him and Rex, where Rex went against his programming. We learned that Rex took the chip out of his head, you know, the chip that made all the other clones obey Order 66. My Padawan pointed something out about that battle droid commander. He's a super tactical droid named Kalani. Kal he has his own name, Kalani, too. He, I was like, wow. Matches his decor. He looks like... Um... One of the skins from the Reaper in Call of Duty, Black Ops 3. He looks like, he, he literally looks like one of the skins, and I showed my dad comparison pictures, and they look the same. They have the same, like, body armor, and, you know, the, the way the thing's designed to look the same. There's a droid in Call of Duty, and one of the downloadable DLCs that you can get for this skin makes him look exactly like this tactical droid. I mean, with the with the gold swirls and the color and everything. Yeah, and the it looks exactly armor. like him. 
you think you think somebody might have worked for both of those? I mean, that that seems too coincidental to be coincidence, right? It's got to be a nod to Call of Duty. It's too coincidental because the markings on that super tactical battle droid are so distinct, and I think they were supposed to be that it's the exact same markings with the gold color and everything. So it could be a nod to someone who's worked on both. I don't know. You know, another thing that's been sticking out to me is Governor Price. You know, she came in just, you know, just a little bit before Thrawn came in. And I kind of feel like she's going to be the scapegoat for Thrawn. Like, you know, I, I keep thinking, you know, Thrawn's going to show up at any moment. Things are going to be just become terrible. Everyone's going to get captured. And yet it seems like Price keeps being the one that Thrawn's sending in to do everything. Like Thrawn knows that if Vader catches his hand in the cookie jar, it's going to be his hand getting lopped off. So, Hey, uh, uh, governor Price, you want to give me one of those Oreos from over there? (laughs) Is it just me? No, I get it. I get it. And Thrawn here does not have a problem using people for bait. You know, and another thing about governor Price is agent Callis is, is right on her hip. And you said something in the last show about who Fulcrum might be. And I'm thinking you're right. that it, I think it's more likely that it is going to be Agent Callus because he asks a question there. He says, are the forces finished bombarding the planet or something like that? Like he's getting information, information that he should already have. So yeah, you would. You would think that he would have it, right? He shouldn't have to ask her that. He's supposed to be her right-hand man. So there's something going on there. There's clues there. I keep waiting for a moment in an episode down the road where we're going to find Hera going to meet up with Fulcrum, finding out that Fulcrum is actually callous, having Thrawn find out the Fulcrum's meeting with you know the the leader of the ghost crew, go to find him, and Callus has to prove that he is Fulcrum by not letting Hera get captured. He has to prove his loyalty to Thrawn by not letting Hera get away. And as Fulcrum as and as Callus murders Hera, I, I think it'd be a, a perfect way for him to, you know, massage and, and hide his identity at the same time. And just deliver a, a hell of a blow to everybody. I mean, you know, everyone so far has been safe. And if someone were to die, who would it be? And and I think, you know, aside from Kanan himself, I think Hera would be the one that would hurt everyone the most. Now, Taylor, you're like, hell no, right? No, I I disagree with you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I love Hera. Being a girl, her and Sabine are like, because they're also girls, uh, they're like my two favorites. And they just... They're like tomboyish, but they both have so much personality and stuff, and that they connect with the guys. And so, see, just even thinking of Hera even like dying and stuff, like just breaks my heart and stuff. You're breaking my heart, Anakin. I don't think I don't think Hera's gonna go. I do think Zeb could go. Chopper could definitely go. But I don't think Hera could go deathly. But who knows? You know, Filoni could pull pull it out of the hat. I mean, who knew that the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, was going to die? You know that mm-hmm. that came out of yeah. nowhere. The Jedi background there was kind of. I was. I still to this day was kind of like, wow. It, it seemed like it would have been the no brainer, but I wasn't thinking anything about that kind of a backstory. Yeah, how he was actually a Jedi Temple guard to start off, who got tempted over to the dark side. Mm-hmm. 
I loved a, a moment in the middle of all this when Kalani's got the clone, the clone, the one clone Rex and his two Jedi. <laughs> You're going back to the Clone Wars already. Uh, well, I liked how he was talking about the, the typical scenarios and the things he saw from the Clone Wars. Like, ah, the Jedi rescue as seen in blah, 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 blah out of so many missions. Like, oh, that's great. But how cool was it to see Rex, Kanan, and Ezra in the role of Anakin, Rex, and Ahsoka? But instead of yeah. it being Anakin, who was the Jedi Master, it was almost like it was Obi-Wan and Anakin and Rex together. It was a great dynamic. And I like the fact how when the battle droids first start attacking, Rex says, do the shield and the shield and sword maneuver. Yeah, sword and shield. Yeah, sh yeah. sword and shield. And, and Kanan knows exactly what that is because he's a war Padawan, you know, yeah. and they're defeating the droids the same way that they were in battle. And I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. I like that. that. Great. Great lines, too, because sword and shield, what does that even mean? We block, he fires. You're like, yes, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. And that's the kind of action I've been, I've been wanting to see more of. And it's almost like they're showing that the clones and the Jedi have fought with each other, and they're more of a solid fighting force than the Jedi and the rest of the Rebel Alliance, the Rebel fleet. They don't really know how to work with the Jedi, you know? The Jedi, again, they're, they're, they were treasonous as far as a lot of what the Empire wants to put out there. So, But the clones know how to work with them, and so it's very efficient. You know, I like, I like seeing old Rex back, man. He takes a few shots, too. And I like the fact how he says, Generation 1 armor always holds up. And Filoni had said when they started changing, when the Clone Wars started going to Season 3 and Season 4, Season 5 and Season 6, they would change the clone armor to kind of reflect what it looked more like in Episode 3. And one of the big things was is that Rex's armor did not look like anybody else's armor because he had kitbashed it from his old armor into kind of like Phase 3 armor to kind of look like Phase 3 armor because he even said back then... That the reason that he, that Rex did that, and you could still see the weld marks on his on his helmet, is because the old armor held up better than say the stormtrooper armor. So the thing was is that the more the armor got evolved, the weaker it got. Hence, when we see the stormtroopers in Episode Four, they're just getting blasted all over the place. The place. It was the rebreather because it, as we see with Finn, you know, it doesn't filter out toxins, <laughs> but Rex's old one did. Yeah, I always wanted a backstory on that. I have. Okay, so no offense to any of you guys, but I don't want you to take what I'm about to say, so that's why I'm saying this now. So uh, uh, what part was it? I think it was like when they were in front of uh, Kalani. Uh, Rex is waking up, and he says, Cody. Gavin uh, was all like, wait, what happened to Cody? And my dad's all like, I don't know. They never really mentioned that. And then, like, it just made all of us, like, kind of wonder what did happen to Cody. Like, will they bring him back or did uh, – because I don't remember him dying or anything, so. Welcome to Star Wars where we're still like, <laughs> what happened to Darth Maul? What happened to Ahsoka? What happened to Hondo Carr? That's an EU reference for everybody out there. Mandalorian 150 years uh, after the movies you saw uh, doesn't take place anymore. But there was all these characters. What happened to? What happened to the clone of Mara Jade? It's still like to know about that too. But yeah, now now you've got a canon. Whatever happened to? Oh, Cody. 
I have. I think he probably got executed because he let Obi Wan go in Episode Three. He could have shot down Obi Wan, and he let him go. Good Lord, sixty six. That could be a really sad little insider sort story. Yeah, and it would be bad. And he had a rope or something, or getting a bunch of blaster bolts to his chest. Oh, oh poor Cody. You did not sound happy about that at all. <laughs> You know, before we go, uh, there was there was a great moment of trust where the uh, battle droid uh, Kalani, he's like, you know, my droids, their their aiming isn't that great. But you Jedi, you guys can direct their blaster fire and have it more precise and increase the proficiency of my troops by so much fold. You know, and Rex is like, well, this takes trust to a whole new level. And, And I appreciated it more coming from him because of all the people like, you know, him watching his Jedi being shot at by the droids and, and hoping that they're not going to get him killed. Like, I, I just thought that that had a, a really cool moment of trust. And, and he just kind of nailed it on the part. And another thing I kept thinking of was had the Separatists recruited more individual beings, more species and more fighters that were blood and bone and less droid they would have probably actually won a lot sooner. And I know Ezra, he, he basically points that out, you know, like, yeah, we won, but we only won because your droids were, were already falling apart. They were old. It was funny, too, that Rex, in a way, gives Ezra credit for ending the Clone Wars, which really all he was ending it in was Rex's point of view and Kalani and Kalani's troops' point of view. But it, it was a prophetic moment. And I liked how it kind of ended with Rex going, let me tell you about the Battle of Genosis sometime. I was like, yes! I mean, I didn't think about that, but now we know, confirmed, that Rex was there at the Battle of Genosis. So I thought that was pretty dang awesome. Hera, when uh, her and Sabine were in one... Getting shot at? No, wait. It was in one of the ships, I think. They were in the Ghost being shot at by the Ties. Yeah. They were talking about Kanan was gonna call and stuff and then Sabine said something about like not that not being believable. Sabine said it'd probably be Chopper. There's one thing that I would like to say about Hera and Sabine. When they were in the ghost too, Hera had said something about Kanan getting in trouble and calling. And Sabine <laughs> said that's not like him. And then Hera said like fine, Chopper Chopper will be in trouble, and then Kanan will hide and call. And Sabine, then Sabine said, now that's more believable. I don't know what it was. It just made me really laugh. Finally, I got that out of my mouth. Holy crap. <laughs> I think we can all agree that it brought back the nostalgia of the Clone Wars in a very, very good way. We get the Phantom 2. We get some battle droids, right? Now, now this super intelligent battle droid is on our side apparently because he's no no he decided they that just he floated away they just flew away yeah. he's going to do his own thing statistically the rebels in his opinion don't have a chance so what <laughs> so what yeah, the... what what could he be doing screwed man i'm out <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome if he shows up next to cad bane or something like that you know he's like a bounty hunter droid now he's gonna be doing something or, or you find out he's built his own little droid empire on the side of the, you know, the galaxy, and later it becomes a thorn in everyone's side. I mean, he was. That's the thing. I mean, he did go against his own programming to tell the rest of the droids to ignore the shutdown command. I mean, he's already going against human orders. I, there's a precedence there for him just to continue to do his own thing. You know, I mean, he he goes Skynet. But I think the main the main thing I got out of it was that he allied himself with 
the rebellion. So to him, they're not enemies. The empire is the enemy now. Yeah. So whatever he does, whatever this droid does, I think that it will be a good thing for the rebellion. Yeah, I like the fact that, you know, we, we've said goodbye to the Clone Wars. Granted, we'll still have aspects of it throughout Rebels, but, you know, it's it's beyond us now. We're, we're shifting gears. We're moving fast. We're going forward. Full steam ahead. Let's go, Rebellion. Let's go, Team Rebels. Uh, well, I think this is a really cool episode because of the nostalgia it brings back from the Clone Wars and, and the good days of, of Star Wars. Not like this isn't a good day, but... But still, it was it was cool to see some of the old characters and the old droids and and so many references being made back to the Clone Wars and I enjoyed this episode. I really like this episode because how like you said, Pharaoh brought everything back like that we we have seen in our like past childhoods. Yes, your nostalgic childhood. Yes, that you didn't even know you were nostalgic for. That means that was like when I was 15 and I found parts of the Millennium Falcon in my sand pit that I had when I was six. And I was like, oh, I had the Millennium Falcon and I didn't even treat it with the love and care it deserved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's exactly, exactly. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. the other padawans out there know how hard this is you know it's like taking a blaster bolt with the blast shield down you know what i mean <laughs> yeah my dad do his other podcasts and they're all like blah 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 blah